in this whole world, uh, from Canada, Tita Ofi there, and, and uh, Tita Chris back there on the side. Welcome, welcome. Um, any graduates for uh, high school graduates or uh, anyone graduating from uh, college and high school this month? Uh, raise your hand. You're, you know what? Would you stand, rise, graduate? We just want to recognize you even if you haven't graduated. Yes. I just want to tell you guys that we are proud of you, and um, we, we're behind you. We're proud of you. Amen? Amen? Keep it up. Keep up the faith. Keep up the fight. Fight on. USC. <laughs> uh, if you were here this morning and you weren't here, if you weren't here uh, last week, you missed on something uh, monumental, I would say, historical, uh, especially for the life of uh, our brother Fur and uh, JJ. Bagun, uh, I was going to say combine the last names uh, yet, but they're not yet. They got engaged here in front of everybody at our English service, and uh, I, I got a, the chance to be up here and to look at your faces, not only theirs, but it was amazing. This whole house was just on fire. And uh, again, uh, thank you, uh, Fernando and JJ, for sharing that moment uh, with your, fam with your uh, church family here. Um, and uh, for you guys that were here, that was a very special moment, and uh, we think it's, it's great to see uh, young people uh, growing and maturing into the likeness of Christ and doing, making right decisions and doing the right things. Amen? Amen. Hey, uh, so the Laker game's on at 5.30. We have plenty of time, but I know some of the men will be tuning out of here <laughs> by... Uh, but 45 minutes from now, you're going to start thinking about uh, what Kobe's eating for lunch. <laughs> and what Kobe's eating for lunch. So uh, I, I, this is actually probably next week is the last time I'll give props to the Lakers because by Tuesday they would have won, right? Yeah. By faith. <laughs> so by next week the, is the last time I'll be talking about the Lakers when they, do, when they get the victory parade. Can I get an amen? Amen. Anybody wearing green? I want to get beat up this morning. <laughs> uh, this morning, I, we want to continue on with our, uh, with our series. Uh, if, if you didn't know by now, we're, we're going through the book of Acts. And uh, the, the, the past few uh, weeks, we've sat on um, the message of the Pentecost about the Holy Spirit, Acts 1.8. Uh, Jesus' last words is, He uh, ascended up to heaven, for you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. All right? And we've talked about the various uses of, those, of that power that, that is indwelling in our spirit. And um, we talked about Pentecost. And this morning, I just want to uh, bring, that, uh, bring uh, more acts 
of the Holy Spirit through the apostles uh, forward as they continue on through the survey of this book. And I would encourage you, if, um, if you would follow us uh, in your personal time or in your cell groups, uh, read the book of Acts. And uh, it, it will uh, definitely enrich your church-going experience on Sundays if you would um, do that. Amen? Hey, uh, would you stand with me and read? Let's read Acts chapter 8 this week. Acts chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Everybody there? Say amen. Amen. All right, let's read. Persecution arose against the church, was, was at Jerusalem, and they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. And devout men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentation over him. As for Paul, he made havoc of the church, entering every house and dragging off men and women, committing them to prison. Verse 4. Therefore, those who were scattered went everywhere preaching the word. Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ to them. And the multitudes with one accord heeded the things spoken by Philip, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with a loud voice, came out of many who were possessed, and many who were paralyzed and lame were healed. Verse 8, And there was great joy in the city. So there was great joy in that city. Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you this morning for this opportunity to dig in your word. Uh, I offer myself up a vessel for your use. May the words of my mouth just declare glory and power of your mighty son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for us. Lord, may our lives be changed today so that we are more Christ-like as we leave this door, these doors of this church. We love you. We thank you. Give you honor and praise. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. The title of a message this morning is called uh, Powering Through Difficulties. And uh, I, I just want to discuss a little bit for the next few minutes um, how we perceive suffering and uh, change in our life. And, uh, and oftentimes, um, we think that changes... Let me, let, me, let me talk to uh, the, the graduates for a second here, um, are oftentimes difficult, and it is. But sometimes we, we, we perceive suffering as a bad thing. But as we dig into God's Word today, I hope that this journey, and perhaps our perception of, of suffering and, and, and going through difficulties might change and we might see God's hand in all the events of our life. Amen? You know, um, I was at a graduation yesterday, and it was a high school graduation. You see these young people, oh, my goodness, it's the end of the world. Oh, my God, I won't see you anymore. You're moving off to college, and you'll be in a different city. And I'm like, having been there, done that, you know, I'm like, kids. <laughs> And I'm like, you know, um, 
I, I hope that, some t that uh, oftentimes when we see God's hand in our life, that we welcome uh, the changes, although they might be difficult, that it's God's hand moving in our life to get us to grow. Say grow, amen? Grow. You know, also, um, uh, suffering is perceived differently here in the U.S. than it is in the, uh, in the East. You know, you go to the Philippines or in, in the lesser developed country, you go in there, families are living uh, in, in just the poorest of conditions, right? Yet some of our, um, our young people that, uh, that went there last year, uh, and consistently they come back and they say, you know, I don't get it. They're so poor, but yet they're so happy. And, 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 you, and you think about that statement for a little while, and why is that? Is it that oftentimes uh, we, get here in the, we, we get here to the U.S., you know, uh, we live the American dream, we have a, tons of opportunities presented for us. You work hard, the, the playing field is equal, so that if you do work hard, the opportunities open up and you, you, you earn more money. And then, you, and then you get your, your Honda Civic. Remember your first car? Pastor had a Toyota Corolla, which a few years later I demolished when I turned 16. All right? And, and, and um, brother Elok's uh, dad, uh, his first car I learned was, was a Toyota truck. And, 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 and he passed it on. Brother Boy passed it on to, uh, to his, his uh, daughter, uh, uh, Mary Rose. And, and I said, Mary Rose, your truck's like over 100,000 miles K. Um, his dad painted it last year, put on some new rims and, and, and cut, uh, new paint and new, uh, header, uh, new uh, mufflers, and it looks great. But you have a, a beautiful Mary Rose driving this manly truck, you know. <laughs> and I'm like, Mary Rose, uh, why don't you just sell the truck? He goes, nope, not going to happen. I'm like, why? Because that was my dad's first truck. That's the first, that was the first uh, um, car that he ever bought in the U.S., and it's significant. He just handed it down to me, and, and I thought I was going to get a new car, but he rebuilt, the, you know, he rebuilt it for me to use longer. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, hey, man, I got a tip for you. Why don't you just crash it? That's what I did to my desk. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Don't crash it. Don't do that. <laughs> I rebuke that spirit. <laughs> But, you know, how oftentimes we, per we perceive, you know, uh, e even, even uh, financially, being, being well off. Um, you get your first Civic and you're excited. Woo, I made it. I got my first car here in the U.S. You know, you take that Honda Civic in the, in the Philippines, and you're pretty wealthy in, in some ports of the Philippines, right? But you take that Civic to Beverly Hills, and you go to a nice fancy restaurant, and all of a sudden, you're like, man, all these, like, uh, Mercedes, BMWs, and uh, these Bentleys, Maseratis, and you feel poor again. <laughs> and you take that same Honda Civic to Laguna Hills or Fashion Island in, in, in the OC, right? And you're not feeling good anymore because now you're stacked up against a different level of wealth or prosperity. So you figure out that, you know what? Maybe I'm perceiving this success in a lens that I shouldn't be. Amen? 
Go turn with me to Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 4. Turn with me there, and then we will read that in a minute. But if I could share with you, not yet, let's go to that slide. Uh, I sent an email to our young people. We first started uh, doing the, uh, the, the, the youth ministry, uh, the youth ministry about, uh, about six, seven years ago. And I remember when, when the first batch of kids, uh, young men started, started no, no, not, not that one yet. Hold on, hold on. Um, when the first young, uh, young men started graduating uh, high school, Fernando uh, and, and Mike Name, they were on their first, their freshman year of college, right? And, and, I, and my brother, too, he just graduated a couple years. Uh, and, and, and I see these young men, you know, started, like, dating and started, started uh, getting girlfriends, right? And I said, I got to put a squash to this. Uh, on an email, I sent these young men, just, just the, the boys talking. I sent them this email. Could you, women equals problems? Yeah. All right. And I, and I knew. No? And I, and I, sent, this, uh, I, I sent this email just for the boys. It was a mathematical equation. Oh, no, not that one. The, uh, that one. All right, here we go. I said, here's, here's a theorem. Here's a here. To find a woman, you need time and money. Therefore, woman equals time and money. That's just a fact, right? That's a theorem, a postulate. Number two point, time, equals, uh, time is money, so time equals money, right? You, you're there with me? All the men say, hey, man. <laughs> Therefore, woman equals money times money or money squared, <laughs> all right? Now, here's another theorem. Money is a square root of all problems. It says that in Timothy. Actually, the love of money, right? But I didn't, yeah. So money is a square root of problems, right? When you take those theorems, woman will equal problems. All right, all right, and I—all I, I, the women are—all the women in this room are. But I sent these just to the boys. All right, let me tell you the context of it, and I, and and, I, and it was in jest. It was a joke. All right, don't take this. It was a joke. Yeah. Driving to the point that since you have the girlfriends now, young men, all right, be, be get ready to shell out because because your girlfriends are going to cost you some money and problems. I mean, but not, uh, my, my, my wife is starting to give me the, the stink eye. So let me move on with the story. Fernando had started dating JJ at that point. I forget what, how old they were. And in the middle of the night, I get my, my email, bing, pops up. And I get this email. And he writes back, because he, he, he was a math major at the time, all right? And he writes back. With this, um, with this uh, countering theorem, it says, okay, let's assume that woman is a problem. I, I'll get that with you, Pastor John. I'll take that. So woman equals problem. Second point is woman is suffering. A problem is suffering. Therefore, problem equals suffering. You take those two, uh, therefore, woman is suffering. So woman equals suffering. And I'm like, amen to that. 
For every suffering, it produces perseverance. Now he's getting Bible on me. <laughs> right? Like, wait a minute. Suffering equals perseverance. We're going to read about that in a minute. 4A, perseverance produces character. Hence, perseverance equals character. And character produces hope. Character equals hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us soul. Therefore, suffering equals hope. And then he comes in with a punchline here. If woman is suffering and suffering is hope, woman equals hope. <laughs> All the women clap right there. So that was, uh, that was uh, sent to me uh, by yours, uh, by, by, uh, by, by Fernando, who, uh, who proposed to his, uh, his fiancée now last week here. And she is wearing a nice engagement ring. And hopefully uh, by next year they will be uh, doing the wedding ring. And I will be uh, sending a, an email with a suffering uh, <laughs> comment on that one. So, yeah. You got your, uh, your, your, your Bibles open uh, to Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 4. Uh, Kimi, would you read that for us, please? Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulations produces perseverance. And perseverance, character. And character, hope. Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who has given to us. In the NIV translation, verse 3, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces hope I'm sorry, suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us. Amen? And, and, and I read this on with you, uh, along with you to this morning, because if I could take you back to that first reading in the book of Acts chapter 8, uh, remember, after 50 days, the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples and the followers of Christ, and they, were, and they just were baptized with power by the Holy Spirit. Uh, Peter preached his, his first message uh, uh, for the church. 3,000 were added to the church. And immediately, when they were, as they were um, enjoying the fruits of their success, they also, in Jerusalem, started uh, get, getting persecuted by the religious leaders. And in that context of Acts chapter 8, uh, verse 1, and so on, the first martyr of the church was, was, uh, was stoned to death. Stephen, he was a leader of the first church. He was a great leader. He said the Spirit of God was upon him. And in, and in the midst of this great success, also this persecution started happening. Uh, the, uh, Stephen uh, gets stoned to death. And all of a sudden, there's this, there's this uh, zealot named uh, Saul who was coming after the Christians of the early church and, and started persecuting, either throwing them in jail, okay, or actually killing them. Right? And so here it is, the church in Jerusalem was spread out. And our reading, chapter 8, Philip ended up in Samaria. 
For you Bible scholars out there, remember Samaria? John chapter 4. Jesus witnessed to the woman at the well. Philip goes into to the, uh, to the city of uh, Caesarea in the county of Samaria, starts the first church there. And the, the reason why he went there was because the church was being persecuted in Jerusalem. So he had to move. You understand? You following me? So oftentimes, man, that's nice music right there. That's a good one. Classics. <laughs> so he only moved from Jerusalem to Samaria because the church was being persecuted greatly in Jerusalem. Oftentimes, we see persecution and suffering as a bad thing, but sometimes God will use it to get us from one place to another. Amen? Amen. That even though we are in pain and we are in difficulty, some folks lost their homes through this, through this economic uh, downturn, right? What am I going to do? Some people lost their jobs. Some people got demoted or got laid off. And it's a difficult time. Right? And oftentimes, we, when we face these uh, trials and tribulations that, hey, you know what? God, what's wrong? Why aren't you here? But oftentimes, that when we are facing the uh, uh, tribulations and persecutions and suffering, that is God moving us to a different place, a higher level in life. And we, as human beings, don't want to change because we've been comfortable, say comfortable, with our present state. But God is not interested in our comfort. He's interested in our growth. And oftentimes, growth is violent. What do you mean growth is violent? My little girl. Few, uh, just two or three weeks ago. <coughs> Excuse me. She wasn't, she's usually like a lot of energy, full of energy. You know, ah, she likes to talk. And, um, and uh, just a couple weeks ago, we noticed that she just was just feeling, uh, she was sleepy, she was tired, she was cranky. And then at the, in, in the evening, she started getting fever. I'm like, well, we prayed over her, and, uh, you know, okay, God, what's, what's going on? What's happening? And then she starts touching her teeth, right? And her molars, her top molars are, are, we, were coming out. One of the bigger teeth were coming out. And there was not much we can do uh, for her to give her comfort. But at the same time, you know, we prayed over her, and I'm like, God, you know, uh, we don't want her to, to suffer, get the fever. But the, the fact of life is, She's growing. And for her to get the teeth to come out, it's painful, right? And, and for, I mean, think about it. These, like, calcium bone is, is coming out and breaking your skin. How? But that's growth, right? And oftentimes we, we, we perceive growth as an easy thing. Uh-uh. <coughs> it's violent. It's traumatic. It's uncomfortable. Amen? Amen? Who wants to grow this morning? Amen! Amen. <laughs> Let's go uh, Genesis chapter 50. Let's go Old Testament for a little while. Keep your finger in Romans. We'll be back there. Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 23. Remember the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors. 
amazing Technicolor dream coat. Ever seen that? Joseph was a young man, highly favored uh, uh, as one of the tw uh, 12 sons of, uh, of Jacob. He was a favorite in the family. Come to think of it, Joseph's the favorite in our family, too. <laughs> and he's coming back at the end of the month. How ironic is that? <laughs> I got to tell you a quick story, side-off story. This is funny. Tom's laughing because he knows this. I, I remember uh, one time um, I brought my mom to... Uh, to, uh, it, was a, it was October. I know it was October because October is pie month at Marie Callender's. You bring in a tin and it's five dollars and, and you know for, for a pie. I love pies. I take my mom and said, Mom, let's pick some pies. I'm gonna buy you a pie and then we take it to the family and we're gonna have a good time for dinner. And then I ask her, Mom, what pie are we gonna get? She said, without hesitation, pecan pie. And I'm like, pecan pie? Oh, it's October. Next week, next month is going to be Thanksgiving. We'll probably have pecan pie again. Can we get something else? She goes, no, we're going to get pecan pie. I'm like, why are we going to get pecan pie? He goes, because that's Joe's favorite. <laughs> Joe is my youngest brother, if you didn't know. He's been in China for the past couple of years, so, uh, and he'll be back here in, at the end of the month. So. We're going to be eating pecan pie. <laughs> Can you tell I'm bitter a little bit in this a little bit? No, no, no. i cast that out. But Joseph, in the story of the Bible, uh, in the Old Testament, the favorite of, of, of Jacob's son, and his brothers hated him so much. And there was reason uh, for them, because he, he said certain things, and he told us certain dreams that he shouldn't have. And his brothers actually hated him so much that they beat him up, they throw him in a pit to, be, to, to, to kill him, but they decided to sell him as slaves. From the pit, Joseph was thrown, as a, was, became a slave at uh, Potiphar's house. He was one of the governors in the, in the world power at the time of Egypt. And Joseph, being one of the favorite, uh, uh, and he was about, you know, he's going to inherit the dad's business, uh, and, and he was the most favorite in the, in the family from from having the best seat in the table, he became a slave like that overnight. And as a slave, he trusted God. He wasn't bitter about it. Uh, he, didn't, he wasn't bitter because his mom didn't you know, buy the pie. And, 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 and he continued to grow in the admonition of the Lord. And, and in Potiphar's house, the governor's house, Potiphar's wife had the, had the hots for him. He was a young man, and, 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 and the Bible says he was a good-looking guy. He's around the house back then. I don't know if they carry, wear shirts, but, but Joseph was doing the household chores. Potiphar was, was out, uh, out of town in business, and Potiphar's wife was like, hey, um, husband's not around. You can use, go read the Bible. It's good, man. It's juicy. <laughs> Genesis. It's in the Bible. It's got details in there. Go read it. Put down, put down the soap operas for a little bit on a, on, a, on, on a Monday afternoon. Go read the Bible. It's got a lot of drama <laughs> and adventure. Joseph says, no. 
I can't sin against my God and my, and my, and my employer. And you know what Joseph did? Instead of like flirting around, he ran away. Right? Can I talk to the men for a little bit? Sometimes we like dance around and we stick around the place. And oftentimes what we need to do is like Joseph, young man. You know young men have a lot of chemicals in their systems? All right? They're like, hey, man, perfect opportunity. I can get away with this. Boss is out of town. Nobody's looking. Before even getting tempted even more, Joseph ran. Say run. <laughs> Sometimes all we can do in temptation is just run. Get away from No talking. Forget talking about this. I can't even talk. Just, just cut it out. I got to get out of this place. Woo. Run. Amen? Just run away. Sometimes it's the best solution to temptation is run. Can't get too spiritual, more spiritual than that. <laughs> run away. <laughs> he does the right thing. He runs away and he gets accused of rape. He gets thrown into prison, even worse than being a slave, at least when he was a slave. He had the freedom to move around and he was actually the, the head of the house besides Potiphar. And now, for doing the right thing, he gets thrown into jail. Right? Now, for many of us, including me, I would be bitter. Like, God, I'm doing the right thing. I ran away from temptation. I'm standing up for you. And instead of promoting me, now I'm in even a worse place than I was before. I'm in jail. How can you use me now? No, instead of complaining, you know what Joseph does? He takes a scrub in the bucket, starts cleaning his cell. He had the best clean cell in the prison block. Cell block full. <laughs> and the prison warden started noticing Joseph. He's like, man, he's got the cleanest cell in the block. You know what? You in charge of this, of this cell too. Jesus, and instead of Joseph complaining, what? Now I've got to clean other cells? He said, thank you, Lord. You just promoted me. My territory just got bigger. <laughs> now I can make these other cells cleaner. Right? And then the, the prison warden starts noticing Joseph's work. And instead of complaining and his suffering, Joseph was elevated to a leadership position where he had influence. And the people that were suffering around him like, hey, um, you guys know, some of you know the story. Um, the uh, Pharaoh's uh, well, bread maker and the, and the wine uh, taster, food taster, had a dream. Joseph was able, long story short, short uh, Joseph was able to interpret the dream. And then um, the uh, Pharaoh's wine taster, two years later, okay, after Joseph said, hey, remember me, when you get out of prison and when you're in Pharaoh's side, uh, I'm here innocently. Please help me get out of here. All right? And then uh, it was two years later when there was a famine in the land. Uh, Pharaoh had the, the, uh, the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, had a dream that the food taster remembered Joseph. And Joseph was still suffering in, um, in the cell, right? He was still locked up as a prisoner. Uh, Bible scholars say it was 20 years had passed since Joseph was uh, sold into slavery 
until actually um, uh, he stood before the leader of the land at the time, Pharaoh, and he was able to interpret the dreams. That's a long time to be suffering and persevering. 20 years. But God used the situations that Joseph was in as a slave. Somebody was saying, man, Pastor John, you don't know. When I clock in from Monday through Friday from 9 to 5, I'm a slave, man. <laughs> and oftentimes we think uh, that, 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 that's, that that's the enemy just keeping us down. That's the man. But oftentimes God uses our situations in the pit, in Potiphar's house as a slave, as prisoners, okay? Remember that, Fernando, as a prisoner. <laughs> God uses those situations to grow us and get us ready for his ultimate purpose. And in Joseph, it was to lead and save the people, okay? Let's read this passage. Genesis chapter 50, verses 19 through 23. Go ahead. Joseph said to them, Do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, in order to bring it about as it is this day, to save many people alive. All right. Now, for, oh, Go ahead. Finish up. Verse, uh, verse 21. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke kindly to them. 22. That's good. That's good. All right. That's fine. In this context of what we just read, Joseph now is like the prince of Egypt. Only all he had to answer to was Pharaoh, the king of the land. And um, his brother, since there was a famine for seven years, his brother had to go buy bread. Uh, or grain in Egypt, and uh, when when they, long story so, uh, short, they saw Joseph as the leader of the land, and they thought that he was going to kill them because he the brothers were the one that sold him into slavery to begin with. But Joseph replies this: says, "Don't be afraid." Again, instead of being bitter, I'd be like, "Man, you guys like sold me off." This is Joseph's word of comfort: "Don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God?" You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Amen? You know, oftentimes, when we're in, this, when we're in the prison, it's hard to see God's ultimate plan. Go to Romans chapter 8. We're using the Bible a lot this morning. Is that okay? Some of you got to dust it off. Romans, back in, the, back in the New Testament. Romans chapter 8, 28. Let me read it for you. And we know that in all things, say all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You know, a lot of t this scripture has been abused. What do you mean? You gotta go. We had to lay off some people last year at work. Some people had to be shuffled around from different uh, various departments, and I I even hear this from like non Christians. They're like, oh, all things work together anyway 
for good. But you forget. There's a second clause to that verse. It says, all things work together for good to those who love God. It's conditional. If you don't love God and you're suffering, maybe perhaps life's just coincidental. Right? What do you mean? Well, if you marry that non-believer to begin with and you're a Christian, right? And now you're, you're begging God, oh, God, please get me out of, you know, please save him. When you knew better and you're suffering now, but you knew better. <laughs> you, got your own, you got your own self in that mess. But if you love God to begin with, you would have gotten it. You would, you would have made that decision that if you really love God, you would put him first, right? Some of you guys know what I'm talking about? I'm like, amen to that. Some decisions, an investment decision I would made, it was just me. Right? The way we pick relationships sometimes is it's not because we love God. It's because it feels good. Right? And sometimes we blame God for like, hey, I'm suffering here. Please help me out. And we see God as like a lifeguard. You know? God, I'm drowning. Help me. He'll save you. And I do, and, and, and I do with all my heart believe this, that even through our sufferings, even that, that the enemy intended to harm us, that God can use that ultimately for our growth. Okay, to get, let, me, let me tell you a story. Um, this was like in, back in 2002. 2000, no, the fall of 2001. I was really just... Um, um, really hungry Christian at that point. And um, I was, I, I, since then, uh, since 2000, I've been following, 98, 99 when I was 25, I had been really like saved, um, not really saved, I had really committed to dedicate my life full on for God when I was 25, right? And this journey took me to a place where I, um, I was just, every situation in my life that was bad, I would ask him, Lord, how does this fit into your grand scheme of things? I don't know about you, but for me, the way I function is I like to see the whole picture. You know, I'm analytical. Okay, I need to see where my job, where, where I fit in at work. I can't just go in and, and, and clock in every day and like you know, punch in the computer. For me to, to stay sane, I need to know that what I do makes a difference in the big picture. Otherwise, it's a prison for me. So I asked, you know, I talked to God, God, I need to know, like, how, why this is not working in my life and what I need to do. Sometimes we don't get the whole big picture. Sometimes we need to just be faithful in the present time. And my example is this. I remember um, um, uh, when we first got engaged, oh, I had this beautiful, like, Montero Sport. I've only had it for, like, four months is one of the best things I ever owned, right? It was a, it was a beautiful car. And uh, Jolinda, uh, I had just proposed to Jolinda like um, a month beforehand. It was, uh, it was a November, and, and then um, 
Uh, we were going camping with some friends, and we were going down to San Diego. Um, and this was our prayer. I said, Lord, I don't want to start this marriage with, like, how much, is, how much was the wedding back then? It was, like, maybe $25,000, $30,000 uh, to, to feed, like, 200 people, guests, right, and, and throw this party. I don't want to start this marriage in debt, Lord. Please, um, our prayer is, uh, even if it's, if, it's, if it's a small wedding, um, you know, we're not going to start this, in, this, uh, this marriage in debt, okay? So please, we want a nice wedding, but have your way in us. We know what our priority is. We don't want to be in debt. Amen. You know, prayer sometimes will get you in some pretty adventurous places. A week later, Jolene was an encounter. I was going with a bunch of my friends to San Diego. Man, my, uh, in the middle of the night, this car starts going a different direction and like broadsided me to my left. I flipped that beautiful Montero Sport like eight times in the freeway. Demolished it. I was like hanging upside down. I mean, it landed on, 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 on the top of its head. I was hanging upside down. And I remember just flipping. I, uh, this is serious. As I was flipping the, for the third time, I said, God, boo. Why is this happening? Boo. But you know, I had this inner peace in my heart that everything was going to be okay. Even as if, when I was in the emergency room. I said, God, you know, I don't understand what's happening right now. Why is this happening to me? Right? But I had this inner peace that, that is all going to be good. And he said, trust me. That's all I had. And it, I didn't come to realization later. Not until, not until a whole year later. That I found out that the, the person that, that struck me was a drunk driver, right? And, and that the Montero Sport that I bought from my friend, I bought it under Blue Book, right? Like a few thousand dollars under Blue Book. And then that situation was a year later, it reaped like over like $25,000. Of, of money for us. I didn't get the same, that was to pay for, you know, which I was fine. I was like, I was scratch free, right? And um, that incident was able to pay for our wedding. <laughs> and I'm like, Lord, that's how you answer prayers? I'm like, <laughs> yeah. And we were able to start our, 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 our marriage without going into debt because we didn't have 25 thoughts. You got a clap, amen. But if you talk to me while I was hanging upside down in that car, that God could use that situation for the good, there was no way I could have told you. Like, this is bad, because now I still got to get another car. And I'm like, I don't know, I'm hurt. I don't know. And when I was in the when I was in, this, in the emergency room, I don't. There's no way that I could, would even like think of conceive how that incident could be used for God's good, and for my not for not for God for my good. But that came as an answer to prayer. That was God's way of answering my prayer, to be debt free. Thank you, Lord. But hey, when that check came. Uh, $25,000 check came. I'm like, man, I can get a new car. I can, you know, 
you know, I, I drove a, an old truck for a little while. We paid off debt. We paid off our, you know, we had to learn and grow through those times. Amen? But God is faithful. Say, God is faithful. God is faithful. And God is good. That sometimes where you're hanging upside down, don't know why things are happening, and in your mind's eye, you can't conceive of, even perceive, like, how can God use this? There's no way. Nope, no way. That situation has changed my perception of, of God. There's no way that I can contain God in a box. That God can use all things. That's when that, when that verse became revelation knowledge in my life. That God can truly use everything for his good. Even, there's no accidents. <laughs> that, that suffering that you're going through, whether you're getting tempted uh, to cheat, lie, steal, whatever it is, that it's growing your character. That God, because He is your Father, wants to produce character in your life. Amen? That He wants to give you hope and a future. Amen? Amen. Jeremiah 29, 11. For the things I know, for the plans I know, um, short-circuiting, for the plans I have for you. Amen? <laughs> I was looking at that verse all day yesterday at the graduation because it was the theme. Now I can't remember it. Help me out. Jeremiah 29.11. I think that's his favorite chapter. Is she here? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call upon me, and come pray to me, and I, will, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. You know the context of that scripture? The Israel, Israelite nation was in captivity. They were in bondage by the Babylonians. But God speaking to them through the prophet Jeremiah, listen, the situation that you're in right now is not my ultimate plan. My plan is not to harm you, but to give you hope in a future. Try, and he's telling this to a nation that's in bondage at the time. Right? So I close with this. In the midst of hardship, in the midst of your suffering, God's power still prevails. All things work together for good to those who love God. Do you love God this morning? Yes. Amen. Would you stand with me? There's no way that you can convince me that the power available for the, for the New Testament church as we read in Acts, is not relevant today. It is. Miracles still happen. God still heals. God still restores. God can bring dead relationships back alive again. He can resurrect the dead. It's all over our life. It's all over this world. We just need to be able to see the miracles with spiritual eyes. Amen? And oftentimes, you may be hanging upside down. You might be in a situation where you're like, God, I don't know, man, this is just hopeless. 
What can I do? It is a disservice for us as a church to tell you that when you accept Christ in your heart, that everything will be a-okay and everything will be good. That's not true. You will be empowered to deal with the situations and the trials and the tribulations because he wants us to grow. Everybody say grow. He wants to stretch us. Amen? And oftentimes, the sufferings, the trials, the tribulations that we go through is tense. And we can't see the big picture. But God is not interested in our comfort. He wants us to grow. And oftentimes, it may be traumatic. Sometimes it's violent. But God has given us the power, say power, to be his witnesses. God has given us power to live powerful lives, not defeated. Even in Joseph, when he was in prison, he succeeded. Even Joseph, when he was enslaved, he was the head and not the tail. This morning, let's close our eyes. And just reflect back in our life and thank God that you're still alive today. Thank God for the miracles that he's done in your life. Just pause and reflect for another 30 to 45 seconds. We're in hindsight that you know that God's hand was on that situation. And you thank you, Lord. Right now, just give him praise and thank him verbally. Open your mouth. Say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for being a good father. Thank you, Lord, for your correction. Thank you, Lord, for your chastity. For I know that you care for me and you intend me to grow. I know this is a hard message for some of you. This morning, I just want to give you the opportunity. If you've never accepted Christ in your heart, and you just want the assurance of salvation, that you know that if you die today, you live eternally with a, with a true and living God. Every head bowed, eyes closed. We just raise your hand. I want to pray with you. Secondly, for some folks here today that's possibly going through some trials, tribulations, and are questioning, God, I don't know how you can use this situation in my life right now, but I trust you. Here I am. I need your help. Raise your hand. I want to pray with you. 
The altar is open. Our leaders are here to pray with you, stand alongside with you, comfort you. Feel free to come up. Let's sing this song real quick. Repeat this, song, uh, this prayer after me. Father God, Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for me. I accept him as Lord and Savior of my life. He died for me. I will live for him. By the power of the Holy Spirit, I pray. Just for a couple minutes, I just want to use this time for ministry. As we sing this song, then we'll be dismissed in prayer. Let's sing the song. Let's sing the song. All that day when I see all that you have for me. When I see you face to face, they're surrounded by your grace. All my fears swept away in the light of your embrace. Where your love is all I need, and forever I am free. Where the streets are made with gold, in your presence held and whole. Let the songs of heaven rise to you alone. No, we pray. No. life we live in a fallen world when we do encounter suffering and tribulation know that if you love God that all things will work together for good amen? amen let's pray father God thank you for your word today thank you for your comfort thank you for the peace of knowing that all things that are working together for good because I love you and you love us Lord that you are interested in our growth as children. Lord, I pray that every single individual family represented here 
Lord, as, as we face trials, persecution, sufferings, Lord, that we learn to grow more like you and not let the situations pass and not learn anything, Lord. We love you. We thank you. And Lord, for the, for the individual right now going through the middle of suffering, Lord, that you give them that peace and that comfort to know that your hand is upon them even though as they go through this situation right now. We love you. We thank you. Give you honor and praise. Thank you for sending the Holy Spirit, Lord, to give us power to deal with the situations in our life. Pray for healing for those who need healing right now. Precious mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Everybody say, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week.